This is Always Remember The Mod State Podcast And now, your hosts Always Remember Others may hate you Oh boy Hey look, there is the end of the intro We actually haven't heard that collectively in quite a while So, welcome back How are you? Um, good, it's it's good to be back. And uh, is it is it still tricky dicky in the intro? Or did you tweak it? No, it's still tricky dicky. All right. Well, riddled yeah. with phlebitis. Ah, uh, the phlebitis. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's still uh, still tricky dicky. It's still the same stuff. It's still mod state, and uh, we're back. So I guess probably it's important to acknowledge our uh, bit of a hiatus. But I think collectively we we're working on a bunch of stuff and getting some things figured out and I, I, I will I'll, I'll acknowledge that I think it was good for me to take a bit of a break because I think my headspace was um, I don't know if, like angry was the word or what the deal was but I think we we talked about it in a bunch of conversations prior to this but not disappointed. Not, yeah maybe disappointed is a good word um, I think there's a lot of things that I made I made a number of claims uh prior to us taking a bit of a hiatus and and around when Biden took office and that was that I I felt like Trump would uh seep into irrelevancy <clears throat> and in a way I think that uh I'm somewhat correct on that but I think we can explore that tonight but um hey I mean we're here we've got a lot to talk about the Olympics are currently going on we've got uh, an infrastructure bill that's been tentatively uh, an agreement's been tentatively reached, uh, and the Delta variant is starting to spread, mostly in southern states at this point, but other places like California and the Pacific Mid uh, Northwest. So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, but before we do that, I think it's important to acknowledge that, uh, well, welcome to the Mod State Podcast. Uh, where Indeed. You... <laughs> it's very nice of you all to come. Yeah. Uh, for those of you internationally, foreign, uh, and domestic here in the United States. If you are still tuning in, we certainly appreciate it. The momentum has not waned, which I think has been pretty awesome and and quite frankly a reason why we have come back. And yeah, not that we were going to come back. But. Well, I, you're absolutely right. I think uh, just the, the double down of listenership and the increased listenership as – um, maybe folks have worked their way through the catalog. Um, I know the last episode that we did actually wasn't with us. It was actually with Candace Smith on uh, back right. when uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict was sort of heating up. Um, that There's been a lot of um, attention on that episode. So for those of you who have commented and have listened and downloaded, we certainly appreciate it. Um, I, I encourage people to listen to it while I... Uh, on on some technical levels, fall on a different plane than she does. On that, obviously, she has a, a, a good deal of expertise. I think it's it's worth a listen. So, it, actually, you, you bring up a good issue. It has been longer since since you and I have have been together on this. But you know, you, you and I had some we had a, we had a couple of spirited discussions about mm-hmm. not that there was any possibility, especially when you extend domains and. Uh, podcast hosting services by half a decade when you do it you know when you extend such by half a decade there's obviously no realistic chance of you dropping out of it which i mean i i don't as far as i'm concerned i i didn't hear anything where we were considering that 
but there were a couple of spirited discussions like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Which I think was important because obviously it, it's not strictly for money. I mean, obviously we, w- we want to be a solvent corporation in the long run, but there are probably easier ways for you and I to be entrepreneurs and make our breath. Mm-hmm. They, they were productive conversations because regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum, conservative, leftist, totalitarian, uh, libertarian, whatever, it, it can be a dispiriting time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it was a productive um, break. Yeah. So I think I think actually before we dive in and <clears throat> before we really dive in, uh, as always, head over to modstate.com for more opinion pieces uh, and send any of your comments over to modstate at modstate.com or at our hosting site, hosting site at podomatic.com uh, forward slash modstate. Uh, or anywhere that you can certainly leave comments, uh, like, or uh, promote the podcast. We appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, in the spirit of this moment in time, uh, I think think it is important to acknowledge the type of conversations that we had. And I... Yeah, I didn't mean to get into, like, our personal details. You know, I'm a very private person. Oh, yeah, yeah. but... But I think... I think, I think it's relevant to our listeners. Exactly. So uh, I I think today, so today is the 28th of July in 2021. And and the reason I, I'm teeing this up is because like currently today uh, at the federal government level, um, we've got Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy, who are the, the uh, majority leader in the Senate, or excuse me, the uh, uh, excuse me, minority leader in the House who are literally at this juncture where Nancy Pelosi is getting into an SUV and saying he's such a moron to Kevin McCarthy and Kevin McCarthy and company who I, I I personally believe are being a bit unreasonable. But the point is you've got these two leaders who are literally at an almost impasse. And, and that's why I think it's important to tee up that you know, conversation is possible. And when we first sort of re-engaged, and again, this doesn't mean that, hey, we were almost like not going to do the podcast. That's not it at all. We, we had some, some, shall we say, edgy. We did. We had, we certainly had some very spirited. Uh, it, it, it didn't get personal. No, no, it never got. It was, like, it, it was kind of a, it, pardon the biblical example here, it was kind of a Joshua moment. You know, choose you this day whom you shall serve. Mm-hmm. We we hadn't talked in almost two months, so it was sort of a feeling out like, where are you at right now? Because I mean, we've been that close. I mean, my God, oh, sure. we were in the proverbial trenches together. Oh yeah, absolutely. And now we're doing it again. And and I remember coming off of that first conversation where you know I certainly disagreed with you on a number of things, and I wouldn't say disagree as much as like, hey, look, here's my point, and. Uh, you know, I left that conversation, I could have left two ways, uh, one of two ways. And certainly the first way would have been just like, screw this, I'm out. Um, there's, there's no sort of reasoning here. Uh, but I actually left the conversation thinking like, hey, I think that was a much needed conversation. Uh, and, and I appreciate that it happened. And subsequently, all of our conversations prior to us coming back have been incredibly pr- productive and actually, uh, uh, and th- this is an important, but certainly are in, in uh, again, finding out that we are in uh, much more of an agreement on the progression of this country uh, 
And though we we just will come back to the minor disagreements in terms of how we believe that that should be. So it's just important that, you know, there are people out there who you will disagree with. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I think most Americans, and I mean most at a high percentage, uh, at least who are invested, I suppose, the way we are, do want to see the same outcomes in this country. I agree. But I think it is also important to acknowledge that getting to that destination of a, let's just say a thousand year American reign, right? Uh, Like there are going to be different ways. And from the very beginning of the founding of this country, after we finally kicked Britain's ass, um, immediately politics happened. And immediately the founding fathers disagreed on the role of the federal government. And uh, to a point where people were really angry and it's interesting to look back at history and realize that, hey, look, uh, you know, the founding fathers wasn't just a bunch of dudes who agreed on a, a democratic structure. I mean, well, they, they weren't immortals. <clears throat> no, they weren't. And they certainly uh, very much disagreed on on the on the direction of the country. Very and, much so. I mean, one of Thomas Jefferson's opponents accused him of being a hermaphrodite. I mean, for people who think politics is rough now, I mean, and, it, and I think it is important in, in what you referenced earlier, because two things you and I never lost sight of, even amidst some of our offline folks wouldn't probably believe this, but our most heated disagreements have occurred offline. But two things that have always stood out. Number one, we've never gotten ad hominem. It's never been about, you know, screw you, you're a bad person. It's never mm-hmm. been that way. But second perhaps probably the most important point is it's always been, hey, you and I disagree on our means, but by and large, I think it's fair to say 90 plus percent of the time, we want the same ends. Mm-hmm. We just disagree on the route to get there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that that is important because, okay, you, you don't see that obviously throughout the media. You don't see it often in particularly national politics, but it is possible to disagree with someone on their means and say, hey, all right, look, you're not a bad guy, you're not a, a bad lady, we, we can do something here, we can, we can get something done. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a minor example, but still, I, I think it is important, because it doesn't happen. No, uh, no, and uh, so anyway, let's, <clears throat> so again, I, I want to, before we, we dive into this, uh, it's been a minute since we've talked, and I'm happy to be back. And Thank you it, feel, all. it feels obviously uh, really natural, and and I'm happy for that. Um, big tip of the hat to our our apparently very loyal listenership. <laughs> yeah. we, we somehow earned it, and we appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, as always, um, it's been great. So, well, here we are. Uh, you know, we had asked this question earlier. Like, okay, what's the framework for this discussion? And it's almost impossible to develop a framework for something when you, you've been on a little hiatus and there's so much that has happened. So I think <clears throat> probably what is important to do is sort of set the stage as what, to what is going on, similar to what I did at the beginning of, the, beginning of this podcast episode, and sort of work our way backwards. So, uh, so currently, the Olympics are happening. Uh, in Tokyo, for better or for worse, I suppose. And uh, we have just recently had an infrastructure bill agreement. Um, one thing that we don't really have agreement on is how we're going to pay for it. But I think 
for the most part, there's a framework there. Um, they pay for things in Washington. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, we also have a surging Delta variant uh, in the United States, and we are in the middle of summer and there's a couple things that will begin to happen soon and that is school will begin and the weather will begin to change and people will go back indoors yet there is a reluctance i suppose and rightfully so i get it a reluctance to um, take any step back from the way we have lived our lives in the last 18 months when we really haven't quite maybe crossed the finish line yet and i'm sure we will talk about this quite a bit <clears throat> um Yesterday the was the genesis and inauguration of the January 6th commission uh, which has turned into a bit of a circus although uh I think I think we could probably both agree uh where the majority of the circus sort of begins but we'll talk about it. I mean uh, that's a switch. <laughs> and uh I mean as opposed to what? <laughs> and then um we are gearing up for the 2022 midterm elections and uh, the the uh, legislature is due to go home uh, in about a week. So I hope that they have a great break and they really enjoy themselves <laughs> for one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars a year uh, and unlimited Boring committee assignments. It, yes, exactly. Uh it, it must be great to have a job where nothing gets done. So, well, shoot, let's, let's, um, okay. So with I, that, with that, uh, I do want to, I do want to begin and you know what, I'll just, I'll, I'll discuss an observation that I've had and a projection and you can tell me, uh, maybe how off base I might be here. So I'm still in healthcare. <laughs> That's my full-time job. <laughs> and uh, we, I feel like uh, for a while there, maybe in the last month that maybe we were in a place where I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, we're now not uh, trying to scramble to find PPE. Okay, now... All right, that's great. Now you thought for a brief moment that maybe a corner was being rounded. <laughs> uh, a corner was being rounded. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, um, psych. So we are at a point where we've we've hit a bit of a roadblock. And I read a uh, a Medscape article. I get a lot of like medical related articles and uh, from news sites and and such and. There was an article that was written. I happened to read it through LinkedIn, and it had met, and it was a, like a pretty well uh, renowned, at least healthcare news outlet or or opinion outlet. But <clears throat> the headline was "The CDC backpedals on mask mandates," and what? you know I left a comment, or I don't remember I left it, but I certainly was thinking about it. I said I think that was a bit of a disingenuous. Um, I feel like it was a disingenuous title, uh, like the CDC is backpedaling. And I said, you know, I don't think that the, and I did write this. I said, I don't think that this title is very, uh, is, is really 
doing the CDC or anyone any service by saying the CDC messed up and is backpedaling. It's inherently negative sounding. Really what that should be is CDC is modifying mask mandates due to it's mask guidance. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. Well, no, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they backpedaled necessarily on this issue, but please continue. Yeah. So I just feel like that type of narrative is an inherently negative narrative to the CDC. Now Here's we can... question. I'm going to confess my ignorance here. Yeah. Medscape is oh so medscape is like a um and it might not have been medscape it was med something medscape is a uh like a medical type portal i mean there's like research papers there's opinion pieces there's discussion like rooms. academic version of webmd almost um maybe more like of. more like the uh like medical linkedin almost but not okay. the whole connection social media piece but the platform for a lot of articles and <clears throat> specialties and so yeah i mean it's probably right. so. full disclosure here folks I, I was a i was a corpsman i was i was a, a trauma medic in the navy for five years for lack of a better phrase uh nate here is, is a bsn and got a four-year degree in nursing and <clears throat> orchestrates uh the comings and goings in an ICU. So I, I didn't, when I chuckled earlier about you saying you're in the medical field, it was more like a, oh my God. <laughs> no, I, the I PTSD don't. from this last year alone for y'all. Well, it's, uh, God, it's been, Kudos it's, to you. thanks. It's been unique. Um, and so, and again, I might, I might be wrong. I don't Medscape, I think is more of like an institution. Uh, but that's the, cool. The, I, I wouldn't try to derail you. Yeah, I just no, want to make it, sure I, it's, yeah, it's all good. Um, but but I just felt like there was uh, a message. What bothered you about it specifically? I think what what bothered me is uh, that it really is a narrative, as if like the CDC and the WHO is the big bad wolf. And I don't know that the author of this article really thought it through when they wrote the the title. But backpedaling almost acknowledges that there was like a negative aspect to it, like they really missed the mark. When in reality, what I do think they missed the mark on was the messaging and really going after like, we can talk about all this misinformation and disinformation. But the government agencies really didn't go to those sources and really do a good job of uh, uh, really countering that disinformation and misinformation uh, right. narrative. Now, I, I, but I, I don't, agree. but I don't think what I don't think is that uh, it is the fault of the CDC wholly that I don't think they look, deliberately they, did that. They're backpedaling because they, they, you know, we're always looking for something to pounce on when the reality I don't is think they had an insidious agenda. Certainly not. And I don't think that's what that was, but that article was necessarily uh, promoting, but that idea that, like the Biden administration's plan or the CDC and the who are backpedaling really the backpedaling is ultimately on the shoulders of those who are still hesitant to get the vaccine. And the reason I say that, and that sounds harsh, um, is because I mean, 99%, if not more of those folks who are in the hospital who are taking up hospital resources, and that's not negative. You do take up hospital resources when you're in a hospital are those folks who could have easily gotten a free shot that would have prevented all of this. And I say truly it would prevent all of this because only 1% or less in the hospital taking up hospital resources due to COVID are vaccinated folks. So it, I mean, you can still be a carrier while vaccinated. You know this, you uh, but I see what you're driving at. I, I think number one, as you know, there's a difference in misinformation and disinformation. Sure. Um, one's an outright falsehood. That's disinformation. 
it's a verifiable falsehood. Misinformation really makes truth as subjective as reality. And we both know this. You know, it, one man's conspiracy is another man's, hey, this is uh, what actually happened. So with that, I, I think, and I'm, I'm saying this as, as someone who is fully vaccinated, got both doses of the Moderna uh, from the VA, not mandated, did it. Uh, but I think one of the big issues here is, and if you remember, and our audience who is new to us, our audience has been with us, knows this. But if you remember, I said in March of last year, right after my, I think, 10th surgery in my arm, said, look, go ahead and prep the stimulus. March 2020, I said this. Prep the stimulus, do the mask mandate in lieu of the vaccines, shut down the country through at least Labor Day. No back and forth, no hargy-bargy, as the English would say. That, to me, is the issue. And it's not because, I, look, I'm grasping it. The CDC is calling audibles. Okay, they're saying, all right, well, look, things have changed. We've got this variant. We, we are nowhere near 70%, which would help us achieve herd immunity. I'm grasping that, okay? The issue that, to me, in my mind, for folks has, some folks, has affected their credibility, which is where this is coming from, is the, well, now they're on. Now they're off. Now they're on. Now they're off. And again, I'm grasping why they're, they're, they're calling audibles. But that is precisely credibility is the word that I'm getting at. Precisely why I said from day one, shut it down, do the stimulus, do the mandates until the vaccines are out. At this point, it, it, it borders on, on a mockery for some folks that, okay, well, so now we got to go back to this. Which is it? So, Not everybody has yeah. any sort of medical nuance here, Nate. Well, and I realize that. And I think that's where I have been. So your, your, your point to disinformation versus misinformation, and I think, uh, at least in the medical community, trying to urge people to get vaccine, uh, vaccinated. Which I, I encourage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think The Moderna, I think, is the, one, the way to go. The mRNA, I think that was... I mean, it was a, I think that's the it way was, to go. It was an absolute feat of uh, The first of time I had a sore shoulder, folks. Mm -hmm. Second day, yeah. The second dose, yes. 30 days later, I had a sore shoulder, mm -hmm. and I, I didn't get out of a chair the entire day. Sure. But it was one day. Yeah. The and, next day, and, I was up and about. Yeah, and I'll say the same thing with my team that all got vaccinated. There, there's about 20. for a day. Yep, 25 of them all received Moderna. And, uh, yeah, some people had to take a day. Um, just, and which was fine. Uh, if they had, there is this myth that I would like to address that, well, just because you get vaccinated, yes, like I said, you can still be a carrier, mm -hmm. but you're still just as likely to transmit it. That is not the case. Yeah. So you can still transmit it, but the efficacy, the, the possibility of that is lower. Absolutely. And so, um, where was I? on this but you were, you, you were going into the um beyond fauci and the the mass mandates mm. well I, I think you don't have notes that's a switch no no i never have notes bro it's like yeah, you gunslinging talk about practice uh I'm, not, I'm glad i got the outline <laughs> good oh yeah you've done this more recently than me that's true uh not by much yeah, though see? so thanks candace yeah <laughs> i think <laughs> i think that there I understand the the uh, quote unquote like mockery that it can look like, and and I, I think I 
Well, I remember what I was going to say before we dive into that is I, I appreciate your acknowledgement on the difference between disinformation and misinformation. And I think from a medical perspective, like maybe there's some folks out there, um, maybe in some countries that haven't even received a lot of vaccinations yet that, hey, how do we, like, what is the difference? What should I be looking for? Um, so an example of misinformation, one that I often see from patients at least and from, from staff as well is it's a video okay and it's a video of a nurse and she gets the shot and then there's video of her passing out okay uh and then there's a correlation made between the vaccine uh the science behind the vaccine not the vaccination itself because you and i can say we probably vaccinated hundreds of soldiers and airmen and sailors and one or two of them are gonna just think overthink it and they're gonna pass out because they probably didn't have breakfast or something like that. It's very common. It's a vagal vasal response that people get when they either get their blood drawn or when they get shots. Um, so that's misinformation, right? So now there's a correlation between this shot, the science behind the shot, and the stuff that's in the shot that caused this nurse uh, to pass out. The other would be um, deaths that have occurred after the vaccination. Uh, well, you know, what? it's easy to make the leap. What was the only variable in that person's life? And that variable is, well, the vaccine. Acutely, it was the vaccine. The vaccine well, did it. I hate to break it to folks. There's never one variable involved in a death <laughs> unless it's the bullet. Uh, it, sure, exactly. Or the or, nuclear bomb. Or a left, uh, uh, a widow maker. Uh, well, on that point, I, I would like to point out, though, and I'm not saying this to be snarky, because, yes, I'm... I'm the fiscal conservative, social moderate. I'm, I'm the Nixon Republican of the group. Okay, so, yes, I do lean slightly to the right. However, folks that are farther and much farther, I'm being kind here, to the right, should understand what Nate is getting at here because I can't tell you the times that I've heard, well, they say so-and-so died of COVID-19, but what other pre-existing conditions do they have? Mm -hmm. Well, take that same frame of logic and apply it to a story that you hear about somebody dying after getting the vaccine. Mm -hmm. What else did they have going on? You should, by proxy, be able to get that. Exactly. Now, please do yeah. continue, but I feel like that was an important caveat to make. No, absolutely. Um, it's a good one. We haven't made it before. The second is obviously uh, disinformation, so a bold-faced lie. So that would be... Um, you Propagander. Read, sure. Uh, the vaccine causes prostate cancer or the vaccine causes... Fertility uh, is the one I've heard. So yeah, infertility, which again, it, there's, there's, it's not true. It's just not true. Uh, uh, like, to, like I quoted to you yesterday, the uh, political interview with a Missouri politician who shall remain unnamed. But one of his constituents said, my daughter doesn't want to get this because she wants to be able to conceive. And this Republican politician, without missing a beat, goes, well, she can't conceive. She's dead. <laughs> and like, I so, mean, and look, and I think so for me, probably being in this so long, that sort of not only say cynical response, but very blunt well, is it? response no, it's at least very blunt. That is sort of a tactic that I've begun to take. And it's nice for the people around me to sort of, there's like a gut check that says, hey, look, like we talked about yesterday. Hey, look, 
you might be in this this long and we might know what is misinformation and what is disinformation. We're also here to acknowledge when we weren't right about something or when I'm not right about something. Um, sure. But, uh, the process. but there's also for me to get the gut check that says like, look, you can get fired up about this, but unfortunately uh, there's going to be folks out there that hesitancy still is a, is a big deal. And it's not necessarily their fault that, uh, because the misinformation and disinformation is truly compelling. If it wasn't, we wouldn't have the vaccination rate that we have today. I mean, if I... I, see, I, I almost feel like it goes beyond that to some degree. Some of the stuff that I was reading that I, I didn't even quote to yesterday, it's almost to the point that it doesn't even matter. There's no information being received. It's not that sure. some of these folks are operating on misinformation or disinformation. It's like, I, for instance, I quoted to you the, the woman who voted for Trump not once but twice and said, I don't care if Donald John Trump himself comes here and tells me to get vaccinated. I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. It's like, so, I, okay. I, yeah. You've stiffened your neck. Cool. It wouldn't matter if you told an outright lie or, or a beautiful truth. Mm -hmm. It's just not happening. I, how do you reason with that? Well, and, and f I think for a while, at least, you know, since we've talked last, I have been under the impression that a, a lot more folks than I actually probably have uh, probably overestimated the number of people that truly are sort of just dug in where it wouldn't matter if my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ showed up and want me to get the vaccine, I ain't doing it. And I, I really did feel, I think that's probably what made me angry is I, I almost felt like that was the majority of people. When, when I really ask people, I don't, you know, most people don't give me an answer as to why they're not getting vaccinated, at least the people that I work with and the people that work for me. And I'm not trying to get like a serious answer, just sort of a priming of the pump, like, hey, look, you know, I think this is important, you've got a kid, and so they won't offer you any rationale? So there, there isn't really because I think they know that there really isn't a great reason except for like, hey, I just, I'm just nervous about this weird shot that just showed up out of nowhere. And, and I get it. And I think, I think it's a valid concern. But see, but here's see, and I, but I'll I'll and I see you waving your head and no, your finger. I'm, I'm I'm agreeing with you. It's something we talked about yesterday. Yeah. Please continue. But I'm writing it down. But the point is, you know, at some point, their hesitancy, like that, what that dad said in Arkansas or Missouri, is that hesitant that hesitancy is at some point going to create a variant like the. Zeta variant, if that's even a Greek word, yeah. alphabet, that is that's going to render yeah, that is going to render every vaccine that we have useless. And so, I totally understand liberty. I totally understand individualism. I I honestly totally understand skepticism. <laughs> I'm an atheist. I get it. The no, thing, you're not. The thing is, yeah, I know you want me to, to not be, but you're an agnostic. Uh, whatever floats your boat, Please I'll be continue. agnostic for this. But at, at some point, uh, at some point, there, there, there's going to be uh, where maybe your decision was sort of like a neutral net, like it didn't really matter or it, it didn't really hurt anything. The, the balance is starting to tip. 
now it really is actually stifling progress forward. And that goes with vaccinations, which is the simplest fix. To, I mean, if you want to talk about fiscal uh, conservatism, uh, getting the vaccine is about as fiscally conservative as you possibly can be. I mean, because you're foregoing hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars of hospital bills uh, and rehab, right? Which you're probably not going to pay, which will not. No, somebody's going to pay it. Somebody's going to pay it. And it's so anyway, my point is there's going to be a point where there's this there's this pendulum, there's a shift and there really won't be a good reason to not I think we're there. And I think we are. We're very, I think we are. if at all, we're very, very close. And when Sean Hannity so, is going on Fox News and saying, <laughs> I believe in the science of vaccines. I think we've reached a point where the scales are kind of starting to shift. So and this is interesting. So this is where uh, my observation an assumption uh, is going to show up, and I want you, you to. You just go ahead and observe and tell me that I assumption. Will. So, mm. uh, I brought this up to you yesterday. I said, I think it is interesting that you're sort of you're seeing this um, you're seeing this shift among. Well, it's an interesting shift, okay, but it is a slow. Oh, it is. It's a slow shift from at least uh, conservative media outlets, conservative. Uh, bloggers, conservative YouTubers, there's this, at least at Fox News, there's this slight, ever so slight shift to like, hey, um, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I got vaccinated. You're going to do what you want to do. And it's this like reluctance to go, yeah, go get it, guys. Just go get it. It's great. They can't really quite do that because it well, would make them look person too i'm not going to tell anybody look go do this well i think it's prudent for you to do so uh, uh, exact so so i mean it, I, I, by proxy you could put me in the same category i don't think that would be fair that's fine but if they were to say look the science is legit we screwed up we're look we've, we've been i don't like, even need them to acknowledge they screwed up what well, Hannity did to me, look, we've criticized Hannity fine. I'm, I'm going to look. And you're in right. The of Scre fairness, screwing up is a vindictive thing on my part. Well, no, 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 no. Let's say that that's perfectly fine. Okay. That was a very kind way to put it. I, I we, you and I both have criticized Hannity. I've got to say, I tip of the hat for him. I don't need you to say, look, I messed up. Fine. Whatever. But the fact that he said, I believe in the science of vaccines. Thank you. That's, that's enough. So, That's good. so then, uh, so so then, the the slight vindictive side of me says, uh, what what would make up for your absolute just disaster of a response to this entire thing over the last year and a half is you gotta keep promoting it. You can't just say, hey. I believe in the science. I got the shot. And then don't talk about it again. Look, to me, because there's that, an that easy base, answer here. That base is so entrenched, dude. There, there, those, there's a number of people in that demographic that would do anything for Donald Trump. And now they're not even going to take the vaccine because even if Donald Trump was going to give it to him. Because See, they, that's, that's precisely what I'm getting at, though. They clearly respond. Everybody responds to media, okay? Unless... They're, they're living totally off the grid, which very few people actually do that. They can say they're off the grid. Well, if you have a social security number and or a bank account, no, you're not. 
and a so, cell phone. Right. So they could beat the drum by saying, look, and this is true. You know, it was President, former President Trump that used the EUA, the emergency use authorization, to shovel some four plus billion dollars into these three vaccines that came about. Beat that drum. Be like, hey, it was your boy that did this. He got it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Yeah, it's a weird it's weird that that not is not being promoted uh, as like a huge I'm not win. Sure. Look, it's I started to tell you this. So, um, while at Walmart today, I yesterday I told my brother I said, you know, there's this conspiracy theory out there that oh well now if you take a a bar a scanner, you know, Walmart or Target and scan your shoulder. It, it, it reads, right, because the, the chip they put in there. I had totally forgotten about it. So I went with my brother to get a, a file folder, a couple of things, and we, we were in the self-checkout, and he goes, dude, scan your shoulder. And there's all these people around with, you know, screw it. So I scanned it twice. No, nothing, no chip. There's these people around, you know, just look at us like I couldn't help it. So, I mean, I, you know, no, for the folks that were concerned, I'm not going to, and I told you that I, that I sent you the text about the young lady I, would, I was friends with in high school, right? I think so. Worried that I was going to lose my soul, my connection to God. Oh, yes. And of course, I had a hearty laugh. Well, so folks, no heart. lie. Bless her heart. Miss um, Smith, well, Miss Thompson, whatever, some generic Anglo-Saxon last name, we'll use that. She asked me if I was going to get vaccinated. This was back in February, a month before I got my first dose of the Moderna. She said, Davini, don't do it. I was like, okay, what? why? And she said, I have, and folks with a straight face, I have heard of people that have lost their connection to God because of the Moderna, the mRNA vaccine. And folks, I, I'm Catholic. Like, I'm not mocking people that believe in God. But I'm trying to, like, I'm biting the insides of my cheeks. I'm not wanting to laugh at her. And I, I said, you know, Tiffany, whatever her name was, I, I, they might have lost their connection to God. I don't think of vaccines what did it. She was like, no lie. I just, I don't want you to become a, a, a basically a zombie. That was the reference she made. I'm oh. just like, oh my God, there's no. Oh boy. Are you serious? Uh, I, so, yep. The other, the other thing I, I wrote down while you, while you were talking, uh, a caveat. And I don't say this mockingly, but I say this, a lot of people around the political spectrum, whether they be statists, libertarians, leftists, uh, alt-righters, whatever their label, centrists, radical centrists, whatever, Seventh-day Adventists, they believe that America is the, quote, greatest country in the world, right? So... My, my response to those folks, and I said this to you yesterday, but I, I really would like to, to bring this home to some of these folks sincerely. If you believe that, if you believe that, what we did beating Russia in the space race, okay, <laughs> what we did accomplishing the fall of Mr. Gorbachev's wall, okay, everything that we've done as people, and, and I'm really shortlisting us here because we don't have that kind of time. America has done some fantastic things. If you really believe that, I mean, we virtually eradicated polio. We kept a population of the Dust Bowl from starving amidst a two-front war. 
that we didn't want to get involved in, where London's getting bombed daily. If you believe all that, that America is that great, then why not embrace the fact that we performed a modern medical miracle with not one, not two, but three vaccines of plus 75% efficacy, the Moderna is 95 plus percent, and what is it, the MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella is what, 79%, 78? Something it, like that. Yeah. I think it's, it's not 95. I think it's a brilliant point because. Why not yeah. embrace that? If you believe that about this country, then put your shoulder where your mouth is, mm. Mm. if that makes any sense to you. It does. I think it's a brilliant point. And I think one that has not been echoed by the Trump administration. Like, it should be. It should be their number one accomplishment if anything run ads if you want run ads pre if you want to go to town homeboy preview trump haley or whoever he's not pissed at 2024 <laughs> for president yeah okay I, I i'm being snarky but i'm not i'm actually being accurate whoever's not on the shit list slash trump 2024 and run the ads already start in advance send out ground teams Send out Max Miller when he's done slapping his girlfriends and say, hey, look, look at what this administration did. Talk about it. Fine. Yeah. Trump is that, no pun intended. I even think they could minimize the accomplishments of the Biden administration and say Biden spiked the football in the end zone. Trump laid the groundwork for it. That's it's acknowledging success on both fronts, but saying, hey, look, it wouldn't have been possible without me. But instead, we're getting sort of the Trump narrative, plus everyone else that's competing against Trump right now is going down an even more Looney Tunes path to sort of overcome, right? It's like, it's not as if we went like a little bit more like acknowledging the, the momentous achievement that this was, which I would be applauding it. I literally would not be able to say other than things that certainly got mishandled, but I would not be able to disavow or not acknowledge the fact that it indeed, they did what they needed to they do at did the what time. They, sure, exactly. He signed the piece of paper he needed to sign. Okay, kudos to them for recognizing that. And that's the thing, I'm, I'm not mocking them. I'm saying, why not get behind the effort and turn this into a win? You know, a, a smart tactician will tell you, I mean, there's a reason why the United States Army still studies at West Point the tactic, tactics of Napoleon Bonaparte of turning a weakness, uh, you know, initially the French were so poor when Napoleon first came a general that they couldn't afford supply caravans. Well, Napoleon turned that weakness into a brand new tactic of, hey, guess what? We're gonna go through places like Italy and ask for supplies. We're not gonna raid, we're not gonna rape and pillage, but we're gonna move without caravans and what we're going to do is we're going to be the fastest army ever to roam the old continent. And it was brilliant. They turned an absolute weakness into, into a strength. And, and I feel like this might be a, a decent, you can judge for yourself as the host, but a decent caveat into your second measure regarding infrastructure since we brought up the Donald. And this quote particularly disturbs me. And it drives at the heart the, the, the bitterness the venom has totally clouded the tactical mm -hmm. nuance. And it further underlines to me that it's not about the country, it's about him. Mm -hmm. And anybody who disagrees with that, I quote to you uh, from Politico, this, this is their statement that 
Trump's pushback on the infrastructure deal echoed some of the same concerns expressed in an item by the conservative-leaning Wall Street Journal editorial board just days before. The former president has threatened lawmakers who support the deal for giving Democrats a, and this is the quote, a big and beautiful win on infrastructure. Republican voters will never forget their name, nor will the people of our country, end quote. <laughs> Therein lies the problem. So you're more concerned, and I, all right, I know there's folks listening here from Bakersfield, California. Thank you, folks, for continuing to listen all the way to Washington, D.C., that are lean Republican. They're going, well, the Democrats, are, I don't give a damn about whataboutisms. I care about this country. Okay, and that is precisely the problem right here, because I'm, I'm speaking about Donald right now. Well, this ain't, you know, Mike Mansfield's part of the show. We'll get to him in another episode. Okay, right now I'm talking about him, and it's all about him. Because otherwise, you wouldn't be worried about giving the Democrats a big and beautiful win on infrastructure, whatever that means. You'd be going, hey, I railed for four years. I raged about rebuilding our country's airports. He called them third world. Mm -hmm. He did. Airports, our bridges and roads. You'd be going, yes, finally it's happening. Trump at that. Start prepping your campaign ads, finally. The Biden administration acted on something I wanted for four years. Turn it into a positive. Instead, they're so consumed with self-pity. So you lost. You're, you're, you're this tough guy that rebuilt after three corporate bankruptcies. So do it again, tough man. Mm-hmm. Quit crying. Yeah. But instead, I mean, this is proof positive to me. If there was any doubt, you don't give a damn. No. It's all about you. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and I, when you read that quote to me, because I'd been stuck in work all day, but I'm had been, sick had of been, it. Had been following that a bit. And you read that. And the, the, my initial reaction is like, Jesus. And at a minimum, even if it's not about power, it's like, is it negative? Do we only half of us, only half of us want infrastructure and good roads? No, we so, all want good roads. So it's only we, a win if you sign the bill? Yeah, exactly. And we shouldn't do it. We should prolong it for four years. And, and look, we can talk about how this is politics, but it is sort of beyond politics. It's, it has reached a level of absurdity and which is my point. I don't hate the man. No, I'm I want to be clear. I mean, for God's sake, for our new listeners, how many times, Nate, let's be real. I mean, I called balls and strikes about as fairly as can be called from somebody who's not a registered yeah, Democrat. You did. Okay. I, I, I played devil's advocate. I don't hate him. I'll, if he runs again, I'll call balls and strikes just as fairly. But that response is indicative of someone who is so self-absorbed that you know, the, the picture of him hugging the flag, what are you hugging that for? Just put up yeah. a portrait of yourself. Yeah. Well, so at the beginning and it, so at the beginning of the episode, I had, I had said, hey, look, I wasn't sure if a hypothesis that I made about the relevancy of Donald Trump and his administration, uh, I predicted that it would wear off. And I certainly thought it would wear off I think it is, but it 17 it, Republicans defied his threat to, to primary them. Think yep. about that. And that's got to be Nate. You of all people, that's got to encourage well, because he threatened anybody that votes mm-hmm. for this bill. I'm going to mm-hmm. support somebody mm-hmm. in, against them in the primaries. Well, 17 of them defied that threat. Yep. Well, and there's a, a Trump backer in uh, Texas who lost in a, in a runoff 
uh, or special election. So yeah, and Jeb Bush's boy learned the hard way about dang, kissing his ass. That was that's embarrassing. That is embarrassing. He, he he. I mean, this dude disparaged your father. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. The the reason you know, because folks in 2016, if you weren't following along, Jeb Bush had started the campaign with 100 million dollars more than any candidate in any party. And his campaign signs with the word Jeb, J-E-B, with an exclamation point. Donald Trump, I mean, I, I could go on. I have before. I've got these things memorized, the awful things that he said. But he, well, you know why he's got that campaign sign, right? Because he's ashamed of his family's last name. Hmm. We're talking about that sort of venom. His son, Jeb Bush's son, running in Texas, kissed the Donald's ass and still yeah, didn't get the endorsement. Yikes. It was bad. Like that's, I feel bad for that dude. I like I, I get it. You were playing politics, man, but you learn the hard way. Don't take sides against your family, dude. Nah. Well, okay. So this is my point. I think that I think that the momentum gets lost in two ways. One, which, which what what momentum? Just I would say uh, a bit infrastructure. Of, no, 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 not infrastructure. Uh, more broadly, the anti-Trump. Like, uh, yeah, well, not anti-Trump. Um, okay, the, the the non-Trump movement in the GOP. Yes. So here's here's what I think happens, okay, and, go ahead. and we can definitely I just, go. I just we, make sure I'm following yeah, you. We can definitely go back to infrastructure uh, because I think it's important uh, to talk about. Right. It. But yeah, the what I think happens is uh, that either or maybe it's a combination of two, the two things that the relevancy is sort of a self-imposed irrelevancy, okay? Because the more Looney Tunes you are, the more uh, just disengaged from reality and the more power hungry you look, the more and more people will not be able to relate. Now there's always gonna be a core group of people uh, that are gonna love you no matter what. But that support group so you can think of like a blast radius uh from a bomb there's like the primary <laughs> secondary tertiary and and as you you know presumably are farther away from the bomb uh the less harm you'll have jesus so it'll always be that like small core group of people that it won't matter uh they're all in uh but as the sphere jim of, jordan's uh, all in so so the, the sphere of influence wanes uh i think people will sort of just get bored of it um, and in comes the second. I, I think we're yeah. past that point. And I think that here's the potential second implosion. Um, this will be from, at least for the 2024 election, which I still don't believe Trump will actually run. There's a long time between that. But let's just hypothetically say. You don't think he will? I mean, if he's around, I'm sure he will try. But I think, I think what will happen is you'll have conservatives like Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott from Texas, who will really capture the enthusiasm of not necessarily diehard Trump supporters, but that secondary tertiary sphere of influence that are looking for something a bit new, maybe not equally as rational uh, or irrational, but just something a little bit new, a little bit more youthful. Yeah, funny perspective. So like a Ron DeSantis comes to mind. However, this leads us to a, a larger conservative strategy and that is i think what is interesting is and this was my observation i was going to bring up that you see 18 months into this in this terrible worldwide disaster 
is you're seeing a certain group of people that have been really resistant to sort of anything we should really do about this are now sort of coming around. You see Sean Hannity making the point where he's like, look, man, I believe the science. I got the shot. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you're not going to die. Just get the shot. Um, and it's a really, really, really late response when this could have certainly been done a lot earlier. And what I'm afraid of is, and I'm not saying this is going to wreck the conservatives' sh- short-term chances of retaking the house in 2022. Your heart, I'm sure. Um, it's, it is the future um, that I think that this model will fit very nicely on something like climate change, where the alarm has been sounded, the alarm has been sounded, the alarm has been sounded. Hey, guys, guys, okay, there goes the Great Barrier Reef. Who cares about the Great Barrier Reef? It's underwater. We don't see it. Coal, coal, coal. Let's resist, resist, resist until three quarters of Miami Dade or three quarters of New Orleans is underwater. See, and I, now that, that's where. Okay. And now it's like likened to where we are, analogous to where we are today, where we've got the Delta variant. And it's like, ah, guys. I'm not going to have it. Okay. So now we got three quarters of New Orleans underwater. I'm not going to have it. But now we've got the Sean Hannity of 2050. Going, look, guys, I believe in the science of climate change. Put some solar panels on your roof. I'm going to walk away. Right? But we're, we're like, shit. We've got so many people dug in and so hateful over something that they don't really understand. That is it going to be too late? Will New Orleans be underwater? Will Miami-Dade be underwater? No. Will we be paying billions of dollars a month in infrastructure repair when we could be getting ahead of this? But we so have, you see I my mean, point? One like way that's... or the other, the one way or the other, here's the reality for folks, okay? Let's forget the causes. I'm not going to go there for the sake of time and expediency here, okay? Forget the cause. If you doubt climate change, Please look up, since you're not going to go down there. It's not the heat, it's the humility, as Yogi Berra would say. But look at the football field worth of land we're losing on coastline every day on the coast of my native state of Louisiana, all right? New Orleans and the, by proxy, it's connected, it's neighboring South Louisiana port system. Connected, it's the largest port system in the Western Hemisphere. That metropolis isn't going anywhere as far as its usage. What it comes down to is, are we going to be smart and do what the Dutch and what they did in Venice, Italy, and adopt, you know, start adhering to carbon-related measures and build some seawalls, and I mean gates that they can erect during times of storms, because Venice, Italy actually has a similar situation in New Orleans from the perspective of, you know, we have Lake Pontchartrain, enormous lake, something called, I don't know, uh, the Mississippi River, and the Gulf of Mexico, which is connected to the Atlantic Ocean. It's it's right in the middle of all that. Well, Venice, Italy has, you know, it's what, the Rhone, okay, the Mediterranean. I forget the name of the lake, but regardless, very similar. The Italians took it seriously. The Dutch have taken it seriously. And one encouraging step is that Louisiana has hired a, a, a significant chunk of Dutch engineers to come in and say, all right, let's look at this. You know, hopefully that can overcome corruption we can do something about it because one way or the other the city as far as a a port of industry will survive it's a matter of do we want to make that investment now and get smart or do we want to pay exponentially down the road because we didn't want to pay attention to what's going on forget what you think is the cause 
it doesn't matter as far as what we need to do to prepare in terms of infrastructure. We can so then, debate the semantics so, yeah. later. So then what, so I take this out of, in the, in the military, I'm sure the Navy had something similar to what the army had. And that is an, I'm sure it had to be a different name though. Yeah. It's a, we call it AARs or after action reviews. Yeah. I'm familiar with that because of the Marines. Sure. Okay. So typically when they're even in the hospital, when we had like sentinel type events where patients passed away or there was a code situation, we have these after action reviews or debriefs. And I think that, or in some cases, not literally, but we would call it an autopsy. We should have an autopsy of the event or the project. Well, that doesn't just mean a cadaver. Exactly. So in this case, what is the debrief? What is the after action review, the one up, the one down, uh, the one sustain? What is the autopsy when we do come out the other side of this in terms of how we, which topic in terms of how we, we, because climate change, I think, is becoming far more urgent. It's just not like a tangible urgency that many people feel the way like COVID was. But how do we work on, although the message well, you got five feet of water in London. <laughs> but I, I, I hope that we're like not at the, you know, we'll call that five feet of water in London is like the Delta variant. Uh, but anyway, anyway, I just, it was an interesting observation or thought that I had no, in it terms is. of how do we, how do we really, because what we have found is that he's it, apparently hyper acutely, uh, we are not ever going to see eye to eye with one another. And it's going to get to a point of almost Looney Tunes. You and, and I? No, not a, the, the proverbial. I was going to say, yeah. I think we're relatively the, on the same yeah, page the, on this the one. The proverbial us. Uh, so how do we overcome that with something that's much slower of a process? I would say it's certainly acute, but it's not, uh, you know, not next month are we going to be under complete amount of water. <sighs> But how do we work on the messaging? How do we engage those who, because even COVID, even the outcomes of COVID were a lot of, it was very economic. It was very, it was very detrimental to a lot of businesses and climate change will be similar. Uh, it might not be your business. It might not be the same sort of supply chain thing with like a Ford dealership, but it certainly will be for, um, someone who is losing their home because or their business because it's going underwater or like you name it. Um, fishermen who have destruction of sea life because it, the, the ocean becomes too acidic. I mean, it's a huge, I mean, there's, there's whole towns. I mean, at Lafitte, Maritaria Bay, there's whole towns in South Louisiana where people speak a French as a majority language that might not exist in the next decade or so. I, I think mm -hmm. there's still time. It's going to take, and for the for the folks that say, well, all right, well, Louisiana needs to handle their own problems. I, I agree. It is a state. However, again, because of the the significance of that port, there's no realistic way to just flip the bird to the greater New Orleans area as an as an industry yeah. because of its significance. And I mean, besides the Navy, you know, is, is manufacturing the new stealth fleet via contracts there. There's there's too much of an investment uh, for a simply to turn a deaf ear. I so and I took us took us from infrastructure to the midterms and twenty twenty four and then like long term humanity uh an existence on planet Earth. So I feel like we owe it to like walk back a little bit because we certainly started infrastructure. Um and right. And and I think Gen Z is something important to us to address too as a note of hope. 
yeah. later on. But. So, well, I think, I don't think it's a bad thing to, to talk about right now. I think, and we, we talked about this earlier today, and I am certainly hopeful that in, in terms of the 30,000 foot view, the, our humanity with climate change, that being analogous to the, to the uh, COVID pandemic right now, that I, I do believe, I do hope at least, I, I suppose the evidence is pointing towards it, at least anecdotally for myself, that the younger generation won't be absolved of, of all those uh, Looney Tune ideas, but they are a generation that have grown up with, have, have absolutely grown up with uh, connection to the internet, where I feel like I was just there. And it's, it's still very much a fixture in my life, but it certainly didn't grow up swiping on an iPhone or swiping Well, you and I grew up in an era where you could turn the internet off. You could. Uh, you dialed in, and yeah. then when your time was up, you, you logged, logged off. Out. Nowadays... Yeah. Still logging so, off of anything. When you were born into something like that, uh, where it is very much part of your early education, how you how you uh, consume media from an early age, how you're influenced, that there is an understanding of uh, like access to information and the need for that freedom to the access to that information and what good looks like and what bad looks like. I think we're so early. Uh, in the advent of the internet, at least there are generations that are uh, growing up with it and I think are recognizing things that certainly the older generations of our time uh, maybe aren't as attuned to. And that's nothing, there, there's nothing wrong with that. It's it, not an insult, it's, it's just a, a statement. It's just, I mean, it's just, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't actually help too many 18 to 25 year olds install apps on their phone, but on a daily basis, I'm helping helping one of my elderly patients do something on their phone. I mean, it's just, it, and I know you're saying, well, Nate, how do you make that correlation between you could just know how to download an app and be able to ferret out disinformation and misinformation and bullshit? And I'm saying, like, I'm not saying that. That's not what you're saying. But the point is, when you're that connected, when you're that intertwined with a process, then inevitably, for instance, at the I forget the name of the office. It might be the counterfeit office, but whatever the office is in the in the Department of the Treasury, they do not teach the individuals that look for counterfeit currency. They do not show them examples of counterfeit. What they beat into their brains, proverbially speaking, I hope, oh, is strictly what real currency looks like. So the instant that they see BS, they're like, ah, that's fake. That might seem like a stretch to some folks, but the song remains the same. Mm -hmm. my, my nephews, the youngest of which, uh, my brother's sons anyway, I think is 12. You know, they're 12, 14, and 17 now. They, they're all the time looking at what's going on. Reading, I mean, I've sent them Reuters, Bloomberg. I mean, they're all the time reading what's going on. And I can't tell you the times that, that even if I'm not here, they'll, they'll text me and go, man, this is some crazy mess. Like they, they instantly sense, wait, these people are selling something, talking about Congress or whatever. They instantly see, wait a minute, this is a bunch of BS. Yeah. Why aren't they doing something? And they're not even talking about party. No. Well, I think, I think again, I, I take this back to uh, where the goalposts got moved a bit. 
in terms of what success looks like in America. And when you're there's a difference in there's a difference in financial success and a success at life because you and I both having lived in DC, I know plenty of quote successful failures. Sure. So let me let me make sure I'm I'm saying this correctly, uh, not for you, but 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 at least for the listenership that um, it is just undeniable that at a certain point in our history, um, success, financial success, uh, the American dream looked and, nothing and, wrong with. Yeah, and the way to achieve the American dream looks a lot different today than it did in 1983. All right. Regardless of interest rates, regardless of all of that, um, and cultural issues, society. The, the point is today, it just the the means to the same end, which is maybe for some for a, a large majority of folks is you know starting a family, um, having some kids, putting them through school, having a college like that. The means, the ends, uh, the means to get to that end today are very different, and and often what it is, is a lot more debt to get there, and not necessarily because we are more of a consumer economy than we were in the eighties. I don't think that's true. I think no, we've always consumed. So. It is no. the debt that is being uh, is a, an a lack of adjustment for wages to inflation, and the skyrocketing debt um, for school and just the crazy, uh, crazy prices on homes. So, Well, and I also want to be careful how I say this because I have a number of family members that are involved in education. This is nothing aimed at them, but also for some time. Um, and I'm in the midst full disclosure of a, a four-year degree at, at Penn State, so I'm not knocking that. But for quite some time, we've needed to to follow behind some of the adjustments being made in Europe where, okay, so why are we taking two years worth of courses that have nothing to do with our degrees before we can actually start our core courses for education? Mm -hmm. and, and that's not an insult to to, to professors. Yeah. It's well, not an there's... insult to teachers. But the, the system needs reform. I, I get it. Mm -hmm. People have to make a profit. If entities don't, if they lose money repeatedly, they, they go insolvent mm -hmm. and then people lose their jobs. I get it. So I'm not knocking those folks. But this business of, for instance, as a, an economics major with a bent towards macroeconomics and, and <laughs> central finance, why? I get algebra. Everybody ought to be able to function with algebra because I think that's useful in life. You have the answer. You're going to find the means to get there. It's very useful. Why did I have to take not only biology one and two, but biology lab one and two? I mean, crickets. Well, it makes you well-rounded, John. I mean, I guess it does, but <laughs> well, you see what I'm driving sure. at, though. So. I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. We need some reform. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an institutionalist and I'm an incrementalist. Sure. Okay. I don't believe in revolution. I don't believe in tearing down the system. I'm not a believer in supply side economics. Frankly, I don't think that it exists because how many Microsofts are there? Sure. 10,000 people became millionaires because of the founding of Microsoft. Name uh, four more of them. Go ahead. I'll wait. You can't. Mm -hmm. um, I am a big believer in capitalism. 
I'm a laissez-faire thinker. Um, however, I also believe in a strong but limited government. I believe that the economy exists to improve our individual lives and that we do actually owe our, our country something. Because in anybody that disagrees, well, who do you think pays for the military and the highways you use? Mm. So yes, you do owe, owe your country. Yeah. Okay, just like you expect in times of crisis, our government to be there. And that's, that's the other thing I come to. Yes, I'm plenty critical of our government, but at the same time, who do we look towards with times of crisis like COVID or 9-11, God forbid, something like that? We look to the central government. We look to our states. Well, okay, so you, you, you can't have it both ways, mm. total mistrust. And that's kind of where I was coming from earlier with, with saying that, okay, well, either we are the, quote, greatest, which in my mind, as I've said before, great refers to notoriety, not goodness. But we can't be the, quote, best country on the planet, but you don't trust our government. Well, so which is it? Mm. Because that's an assembly of the people, by the people, elected by the people, that speak for the people. You sent them there. So yeah. who does that say more about? Well, and so I think tying it. I mean, do I exaggerate? Yeah, no, I think tying in what I, my, my thought into, into what you're saying here is I do believe that because, again, a bit of the goalposts that have been moved in terms of how do we get to that end is will ultimately make a group of people more skeptical of the system, right? And not necessarily skeptical of big government necessarily. I think that government it's will play a role. Government. I think that government will play, at least with this younger generation, will play a more of a central role for protection because it is harder to achieve uh, than it was a generation ago um, in terms of what the relative level of success and achievement means. Now, with that being said, I think it also makes you skeptic, skeptical of A, the government, but also of information you're seeing as well. And I think, obviously, when I was young, I believed a lot of weird stuff. But uh, Who doesn't when they're young? Exactly. But I, I still think, at least when I was young, I was, I was still seeking for some truth, right? And anyway, the, the point is, you, you, or excuse me, you make a good point by saying hey, look, you, you can't have it both ways, right? And Yeah, because who do you think financed that trip to the moon? Yeah, it was the American taxpayer, but who put them there? Yeah. So I will be curious to see at least sort of walking away back, you say sent to the moon. Well, if you're Jeff Bezos, uh, Amazon, Amazon, Amazon workers uh, sent uh, – Garnished wages from Amazon workers. Right, sent I, I meant Jeff the Apollo Bezos missions. To the moon. Uh, but I anyway. get it. The American taxpayer paid for that, but we are you know, we they, are clearly not sponsored by Amazon. Um, well, I don't have anything against Amazon. I mean, but I mean, I'm talking about like what the American people did. People forget that. Look at what we did in World War II. Mm. Yeah, there was a democratic virtual supermajority in government, but the fact is, what were we supposed to do? You and my brother-in-law talked about this. Well, he and I were in a D.C. hotel room. You were on the phone when two of y'all met. What were we supposed to do? Let people starve? In the name of, oh, no, mm-hmm. we're not going to expand the government. Yeah. Really? Which, which I, think, I think you will see a – so it, this is tying back to climate change. This is tying back to everything. I think that 
I, I do have faith in this younger generation that they will see solutions differently, uh, even to sort of capitalistic structures um, and what good looks like. And I think we'll be we'll be there to really motivate change. And I think obviously when you're finally in the position of leadership, it is a lot harder to execute than it is to sort of have a brainchild on it and then arriving there and actually doing it is certainly harder. But I think there'll be a more- I'd have one term in the house, I'm sure. (laughs) I think there will be a more broad, like collective motivation uh, to, to re-examine what the commons looks like, right? Where maybe we've really lost that. So- I, I, it, I just begged them to vote. As, as the I easiest, said- The easiest way to do it. I, I, well, I said this in, in person to some folks before the election last year. I said, seriously, I, I actually deadpanned. And people laughed and I, I just stared at them. They're like, oh, you're being serious. I said, yes, I am. I said, I don't care who you vote for. Vote for the birthday party. But people died for that. Do it. It is the, the, the foremost, first and foremost duty of our citizenry. Okay, and look, I, I've railed a number of times against the, the, the FISA courts, the Patriot Act, okay, their ability to, to suspend habeas corpus. Look, the NSA surveillance, the repeal of the Propaganda Act. I'm not going to do it now, but I mean, I've railed ad nauseum at times about, uh, look, I'm pro-police, but I'm anti-police state. Very fine hair to split there. But you and I talked about this earlier. I, I think Gen Z is savvy enough that they can parse through some things. I, I, I'm not saying this because of personal bias, but I, I, I don't think as long as Nixon was willing to, to fire and let those cronies loose to the court system, like whatever happens to you happens, I don't think Watergate would be a big deal today with this generation. I think it would be a big deal. You know, what is the meaning of the word is? I, I think Slick Willie might be in some trouble with Gen Z as far as his perception. But I, I think they're sharp enough to parse through this. I think millennials, I think we're a little bit confused because we're kind of caught between, you know, uh, using CDs and <laughs> using apps. Uh, fair yeah. enough. I, I, yeah. You know, and I, I know we've we've run on at length here. Well, but... No, uh, so so before we before we go, uh, I want to take a few minutes to discuss uh, just some just ridiculous shit. So, and not that it's shocking, but I am not, nor have ever been, a member of the Communist Party. The Communist Party. Uh, I was just thinking about some things we've missed over the last uh, little while, and oh, I certainly. There's a lot. Yeah, I, I've been pretty disappointed with uh, a couple people. And one is Rudy Giuliani has now had his law license suspended in both New York and uh, in Washington, D.C. Without due process, I might add. Fair enough. I, uh, I'll acknowledge that. I mean, he did have his home raided by the FBI. Um, that does not constitute due process. <laughs> okay. But... So, and you know who's representing him? Who is drum roll, please? Alan Dershowitz. Yeah, he sure is. Uh, but hey, look, I think I think it, we we need to acknowledge that the Trump Organization has been indicted, not former President Donald Trump, but the Trump Organization has been indicted along with right. their CFO, Alan Weisselberg. 
So yeah, if they're gonna if they I my general impression is if they were gonna indict the Donald, they'd have done so by now. Yeah, I was, I was curious on your thoughts. And they would do so. So who's your next topic? Um, no, that was that was pretty much it. I, I thought you'd have more to say on it, but uh, well, I, I do. I just didn't know if you had several. You said I have several things or a few things, <laughs> so I didn't know if you know you were gonna talk about yeah, Azerbaijan or no, no. one way mission to Mars. Well. Look, I I admire the man aside from nine eleven. I admired the Republican candidate of two thousand eight that was Rudy Giuliani. I I still never forget the day that I, I got to meet him that absurdly enough I, I called the night before I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna meet Rudy Giuliani tomorrow and we're going to a stadium of there's gonna be forty thousand people and my parents were like, Yeah, okay, sure. Happened. Um, it, we're talking about a Republican candidate whose presidential campaign in 08 got derailed for two things. Number one, which I'm not going to comment on this, but he was pro-choice. And number two, um, he said, with regards to marriage, I think that the Republican Party and the government writ large needs to stay out of consenting adults' bedrooms. And so that was a very different time. Now, I, I don't think 13 years later, or let's say in 2024, you know, 16 years later, I don't think you would even see a Republican candidate who felt that way even file papers to run. Mm -hmm. So it was a different time. That, that's the man that I admire. I, I don't quite know what's happening. I'm not talking about him working for former President Trump. Just some of the things that have gone on, I, I, I'm not quite sure who that person is anymore yeah I, I and i hate to say that do you think is i i i used i i really i idolize the man do you think donald trump played a role in it did he get lost in the in sort of the aura of the entire thing or is he i just i'm trying i was trying to figure out like what actually happened like did he get sort of brainwashed and he thought that he would ultimately be this sort of right-hand man or like, I'm just trying to figure out what, I mean, he, he didn't have to lose. Because he, like, he, didn't, he did go all in. And, I, and that's the thing. Did he sort of get, he had nothing spoofed? to financially gain. No, I mean, we're talking about a man that sold a law firm in Manhattan that employed 500 lawyers. He needs nothing financially. He, he needs no notoriety. He's clearly not going to run for president. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, we're, I, I'm serious. And like in 08, we're talking about he's the only person I feel like alive that could have beaten Barack Obama had he gotten the nomination. I'm talking about the 08 Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, hmm. not the one now. Go back and watch. I mean, they mocked him for some of his left of center views. I mean, he was the closest thing because of his, his foreign policy and fiscal conservative. Uh, New Gingrich even commented that he was the closest thing to a Nixon Republican that we had at the time. Uh, I don't know what happened. I mean, but I, I seriously, uh, as far as human beings, I idolized that man in that era. So to mm -hmm. see... It's heartbreaking. It really has been. I mean, I'm not even going to lie. It really, it struck me. I was sitting there in a hotel room with my brother-in-law, who's a Bernie Sanders supporter, but still, I mean, he used to at least have 
some semblance of, of respect for Giuliani, not the admiration that I did. And he said, man, I, I don't know. I mean, like it, it, it bothered me. Like I, I fought getting choked up. Cause like, I really, I had looked at this man like, yeah, that's, that is the sort of vein that I wanted to pursue <laughs> as far as being, being an unabashed fiscal conservative yet social moderate who was willing to, I mean, I guess basically a radical centrist who was willing to step in at times. And be one or the other. I don't know, a modern Nixon Republican, it just struck me. And he's he was eloquent. I so Call it childlike yeah. admiration, but I mean, yeah, I, I really admired the man. So, so uh, in the waning minutes, you, you brought up something just a moment ago that I'm, I'm curious about. So it is true, uh, the New York, uh, Southern District of New York has not indicted President, former President Trump. However, he- Personally. Personally. However, his organization has been, and there has been uh, some very, very interesting links in terms of what uh, the CFO, Allen, did that was also done by, like, allegedly Ivanka Trump, sort of this- hiding of money for consulting fees, but being a, uh, a employee of the company. Just, I mean, there's also been billionaires that have been jailed and, and sent to prison for the exact same thing. Do you think... Not very often. No, not very often. However, do you think between what's potentially going to open up an investigation in Arizona with where Giuliani was putting pressure on the, on the secretary of state there, along with what happened in Georgia as well, along with what is going at the Trump organization. I mean, does the, does the former president actually walk out of all of this unscathed? At what point does this destroy his potential for more broad uh, notoriety and acceptance in society? And is this as far as it goes? I mean, does does Weisenberg like actually clam up and he goes and takes the fall decades in prison for this? Well, and I mean, look at his age. I get I, it, I and, and he's probably not going to do any time at all, even if he's not. He might do home confinement, like do it, do it. Cohen's been doing, but because here's the thing: is I mean, are people's expectations it? way out of line for what is going to happen? Well, I don't know what people's expectations are. I know what Mother Jones and what Salon want. Yes. So they prefer those, they all be crucified. Those people. I mean, well, I didn't mean it like that, but I mean, I know what no, the no. far left wants. Exactly. So many Americans. I know what the far right wants. They think they're innocent, meek and modest lambs. I think neither is correct. Um, I would say at this point, my, my, my gut would tell me if an indictment was coming, you all have had plenty of time for disclosure here. And I was reading some, some anonymous former federal prosecutors who didn't want to put their name on the record for obvious reasons in case they decide to parlay their prior careers into a future political one. They said, usually six months into the game, federal attorneys, they have an idea. Mm -hmm. And obviously, just like with Gates, the guy in Florida, I mean, that, that new twist of the, the this is a friend, it's, it's, a, it's an unrelated technically topic. Is it Gates? Yeah, Matt I know Gates. it's G A T Z. Is yeah, that yeah. how you say it? Matt Gates. Gates, Gates, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. He's a sleazeball, yes. whether he's guilty of illegality <laughs> or not. He sure is. I, I know the type. I I've been around him. Um, 
at this point in the game, you know, they did the the alleged uh, sugar daddy or whatever website came out and said, well, we have no account. That threw a monkey wrench in the whole thing. We have no account registered to the dude. Doesn't mean he didn't do anything wrong, but but that's part of due process in this country. Okay, I got to prove it. So I would be inclined to say that nothing will come of it as far as Donald John Trump himself goes. But I do think there's the possibility that the brand could be damaged enough. And it's a long time between now and 2023 when it begins to heat up. And depending upon states, I mean, you've got even Mitch McConnell kind of smirking now. Donald Trump repeated his nickname for him, calling him Old Crow. And like I told you precast, he said, well, that was Henry Clay's favorite former bourbon, which, you know, pretty rough. My, my dad's dad, my paternal <laughs> grandfather drank it, but... Uh, Old crow. Point being, it's a long time between now and then, and I, I think you could see some movement there legally. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I do have a problem with it's not a permanent, it's not like he got disbarred. I do have a problem with the action they took regarding Giuliani because I, I tend to agree with Alan Dershowitz. There was no due process there. I mean, let's, let's actually charge the man with something before we do that. But I do think it is going to be damaging for the brand. And depending upon how successful the pending infrastructure deal, which I do believe something will get done there, I don't know that it'll be $3.5 trillion, uh, but I think something will get done. And I think the American people want something done there. Mm-hmm. And it's a debate, <laughs> interestingly enough. And uh, I'm not commenting. I'm not weighing in one way or the other here. So my, my parents who do listen to this, uh, on occasion, they'll probably listen to this one since it's been, what, two months. But there was a conversation that I had with my, my parents not too long ago, my brother, about the gridlock, right? Nothing getting done in D.C. And they know the skin I have in the game, that we have in the game. And my father said, you know what? I'm okay with it. We all kind of stopped, you know, and looked at him like, really? And he said, yeah, because when there's gridlock, that means there's no more bullshit that they can get done that's hurting the country. And my mother, without missing a beat, goes, Mike, that's not why we pay them 200 plus grand a year to go up to D.C. and get nothing done. We need th- some things to get fixed. I think both are right in their own way. I see both points. OK, and in a small way, I think it was a microcosm of how a lot of folks feel. Hmm. Uh, so. Uh, Depending upon, I, I think a lot of people are inclined to think, okay, fine, y'all don't need to make new laws per se, but there's a lot of things like, again, airports, bridges, and roads that need to get done. Yeah. I think, I think what an unfortunate martyr to this entire thing was that horrific event in Surfside, Florida, where I think it woke up, if, if it, probably has left a lot of people's forefront thought now, but I think... How do you connect those two things? So I'm connecting like, um, well, you said people do want things done. And I think right. specifically with the infrastructure bill, talking about climate change, there, are, there have been some specific events as of recent that unfortunately are almost like a martyr to the cause for like infrastructure, right? So... Hey, look, we don't need infrastructure. And then you've got 
a 40-year-old building that falls down in Surfside, Florida and kills 100 people, it, it's hard to deny that infrastructure isn't just an infinite thing that uh, is always okay. Uh, buildings decay. Uh, roads decay. Infrastructure crumbles. And, and so you're, right. to your point, uh, there are going to be events that will open folks' eyes to the really away from the argument, the debate, the fiscal debate, the policy debate, to just say, holy shit, we actually need to do something <laughs> on this. And at right. some point, it's going to be more expensive than $3.5 trillion. And so we might as well, like you said about the Port Authority, we might as well just make the investment now. So I do agree. I do see both sides to that argument. I do see, well, they can't do anything else if they're not doing anything. However, there becomes a tipping point there, right? Where there is no balance. There's no, all of a sudden, like shit's starting to get bad, actually. Like people are right. dying. And, and I think things were, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I quote a uh, professor I had in uh, one of my first macroeconomics classes at Penn State who said in 2000, 1999, 2000, the future was so bright you had to wear shades in America and, and the West in general. And things were so good for so long, even with 08. I get it. I and my family also, you know, because we were involved in building and construction, had our own issues. But let's be real. First world problems. Things were so good for so long that I think we kind of took it for granted. And I still maintain, I mean, I'm still a proponent of a flat tax. Now, the rate would have to be higher now than what I proposed 10 years ago because we're in a lot more debt than we were then. But I, I'm still a fan of a balanced budget. I'm a fan of raising interest rates because I'm a pragmatist. Okay, we, We've got to make some tough decisions. Whether you're a progressive or you're an alt-righter, doesn't really matter. There are some tough choices that we have to make as a central government, as policymakers going forward. But the point to me is they have to be made, mm. those decisions. Mm. There's some sort of consensus. I mean, everybody uses roads. Whether you drive, you know, a, a smart car or a Dodge Charger, <laughs> well, it doesn't whether, matter. Whether you're an anarchist or a, right. you're using roads. Right. I mean, we don't have, regardless, a nationwide rail system. We just don't. There is no flights yet to Mars. Okay. David Bowie was ahead of his time. So, I mean, regardless, one way or the other, we've got some tough calls to make, mm. some gut checks to make. Indeed. So it, we'll see. It, it's going to develop, and I'm sure we'll have more um, next week. Indeed. I, well, I think we've done as much as we can with uh, you know, two months' lapse here. Indeed. Well, yeah, we're 90 minutes in. And uh, as always, to those of you who have made it through the 90 minutes to get to the end, we certainly thank you. If you're an old listener, God, bless, better. God bless you for sticking in. And if you're a new listener, uh, tune back. Well, certainly go through the catalog, uh, but also tune in uh, over the next week or two for another episode to drop. I think we're the plan is to get back on this. Uh, but thank you for sticking through the hiatus. Uh, and as always, my friend, it is an honor and pr privilege to do this with you. Uh, I would say you're in and you're out now. So uh, until next time. <laughs> here, here. <laughs>